Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. I'm pumped today. We got a great guest coming on the show today to talk with me about my 2021 NFL quarterback rankings. You know I've been hinting that this was coming, that these rankings were going to drop, and they did drop today over at PewterReport.com. Um, we've got uh, some some thoughts on those rankings for sure that are out there in the Twitter world. Not too controversial is what I keep hearing. I'd be the first for me. I didn't I didn't know what you never quite know what to expect when you drop these rankings. But uh, as I'm talking with our guest for today, uh, we kind of said this isn't a really controversial year for quarterback ranks. It's kind of is what it is. And so there will be some squabbles, though, over certain players that I have ranked at certain spots. And we'll get to all of that on today's show. But first, wanted to let our listeners know, as we always do, about our title sponsor, Celsius Energy Drink. These things, man, I'm telling you, the flavors that they've got over at Celsius. And actually, our guest today, Mark Schofield, is a big uh, Celsius fan as well. So I'll let him tell you about his experiences with Celsius. But I'm telling you, the sparkling watermelon is moving up for me. Every time I drink this baby, I like it more and more. Uh, Healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, no sugar, tons of great flavors. Check out Celsius.com or go to the banner ads at pewterreport.com. Click through there and order yourself some Celsius to try it out. It is some really, really, really good stuff. Uh, and also, if you love Celsius, and we know a lot of you, most of you at this point probably have already tried Celsius and fallen in love with it as we have, make sure you pay attention to a special opportunity we've got coming up on the show later. You're going to want to stick around for it. It's an opportunity to win a case of your favorite Celsius energy drink flavor, as well as the hottest and tastiest new protein bar on the market. So make sure you stick around for that later on in the show. Speaking of hottest and tastiest new protein bars. Let's bring in our uh, guest uh, for the show today. I don't know how that segue worked for you, Mark, uh, but uh, there you go. You have it. <laughs> the audience. No, it, it worked pretty well for me. I'm excited to be here on Celsius Report. Very excited to, uh, <laughs> to dive into our, our power rankings of Celsius flavors. Well, listen, I, you laugh, but a lot of people listening will be like, it is like Celsius Report. They talk about Celsius so much. And with good reason. The stuff is awesome. I mean, I'm not a huge grape flavor guy like grape is tough to get right but even their grape rush like blew me away i remember i slid into your dms and i was like Mm -hmm. man grape is actually pretty good (laughs) like all the flavors are good the watermelon you were just talking about is fantastic but yeah and i know look isn't there a new flavor coming out too yeah there is tropical vibes coming i think it just dropped actually i had somebody telling me that they tried some i don't have any yet i'm checking the mail every day but first seriously for my i'm very vibes. excited for that oh me me too i mean there's gonna be some yeah i think there's some good flavors gonna be wrapped up in that branding i think actually so some spinoff flavors so we'll, we'll see i'm excited about that for sure also man i'm excited about uh this uh this list we got going on here this quarterback rankings list I send you my quarterback rankings for people who want to see it. It's over at pewterreport.com. You can pull up that list and you can admonish me as you see fit. But Mark, we talked about this when we were kind of prepping for the show. Oh man, it's a hard year to be controversial with these quarterbacks, right? I think it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I think so. And you know, when you reached out to me and said, look, I want you to come on. I'm going to be dropping my QB rankings. I was all excited because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a chance to rip Ledyard, right? Like he's <laughs> going to have some takes in here. I can just destroy him. It'll make for a great show. And then I read it and I, I reach back out to you. I'm like, it's going to be a boring show, man. Like I'm, I'm in the process of doing something similar over a touchdown wire. And yeah. like I told you, my top 11, like I might move a guy here or there. Yeah, It's basically the same. Um, yeah. 
also i do love that you tier them like I, I think that's a really good way to like structure particularly quarterback rankings because you know guys can slide up or down like you might move guys right. like from like five to four or something like that but I, I do think that there are some guys that like you said they're the elite guys like the guys mm-hmm. at the top that if you need to win a game like these are the guys you're going to pick from. Then there's the guys that are like knocking on that door, all three of them young passers that are extremely talented. One of them coming back from an injury, Dak Prescott. But those are guys that you expect might bust into that elite tier as some of the older guys that are in that top tier retire. And then the guys, that next group, I think is where the sort of meat of the NFL is. The good starters that look, you'll win games with these guys. They might be like on their way up or on their way down, but they're guys that are going to, you know, one week they'll throw for three touchdowns and next week they might have a couple of mistakes, but they're still guys that you really can count on. And so those top three tiers, I think are really well done. And yeah, you've got some guys in the next couple of tiers that, like you said, you just don't know. You just yeah. don't know, like a, like a Cam Newton. You just don't know. But overall, I think it's a really good list, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I I think that some people on Twitter actually have liked it so far, which is more than most of my rankings and lists get. Uh, even uh, to get to some likes is nice. But no, yeah. I think that this was at the top, man. I mean, there was obviously you know the what Bucks fans kind of are interested in is where where's Brady slotted, and I slotted him at fourth. And I wondered if some Bucks fans might push back, especially as Pro Football Focus ranked him second, I believe, in their rankings um, of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. And they included rookies in their rankings, by the way. So if you're if you're making notes on the two, I did not include rookies in these rankings because it's just too hard for me to make that comparison when they haven't played in the league yet. But yeah, I think you know you could have Brady at two certainly. Um, I think that Rogers' play last year, I mean MVP caliber play to me. Deshaun Watson was unbelievable in a horrible yeah. situation in Houston. Obviously, that team, I'm sure, goes 0 and 12 or 0 and 16 without him. I, I just, yeah. I'm not sure that they win a game. So, I mean, you're you're squabbling when you're in the tiers. We've already said that, you know. But where do you see Brady right now? You think that four is pretty fair spot for him? Yeah, I mean, four is a pretty fair spot because let's not forget you're talking about somebody that's 44 years old. I mean, like. Right. You're going into uncharted territory here. I mean, I guess he'll turn 44 in August. He's a couple of months younger than me, so I got to do the math in my head, and I'm not good at math. But yeah, I mean, there's uncharted, you know, territory here. Right. You could have an injury. He was dealing with an injury last year, and so there's an opportunity where if he has another injury, maybe he doesn't put up huge numbers. But there is a case to be made, sort of on what PFF did to say that he's perhaps number two. And that case is this. Remember when I first came on with you, like after they lost to Kansas City in the regular season, and we were talking about problems with the playbook, problems with getting on the same page, blitzes, hots, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Brady basically came out and said all that in this offseason. So he was still Mm -hmm. learning the terminology, still learning the plays, the playbook, and how Arians and Leftwood sort of structured the offense conceptually. There's a chance that if he's healthy, he's even better than he was last year, which is probably scary to think about. And so there is a case to be made that if he is healthy, everything that's around him, they have such a great duo of receivers, you know, Mike Mm -hmm. Evans, Chris Godwin, all the other talent they have, that Brady could be the second best quarterback in the NFL. You have to hedge against it because of the age, obviously. But yeah, I mean, whether it's four, whether it's two, he's still one of the best in the game. Right. Yeah, that's a it's a good point to make about this upcoming season. Obviously, we've talked a lot about that on this show, just anticipating some some level of growth and improvement there, obviously. But Tom Bucks fan makes a good point here that uh, Chris Sims rated. I think it was Chris Sims rated Brady 10th, uh, had Stafford in the top five. Could you envision making a list 
Is there ever been a year where Brady would, would have been behind Stafford for you? I'm just – I know we, neither of us would agree with this No, ranking, no. But. And, I mean, you go back even some of Stafford's better years. I mean, I've always been really high on Stafford. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago you asked people to rank their top five on Twitter, and I had Stafford in at five over Matt Ryan. And I'm not welcome uh. back in Atlanta since then. Uh, <laughs> Falcons fans were not happy with that. So even when I'm high on Stafford, I'm still relatively higher on Brady. Like, yeah. I just think Stafford is an incredibly talented quarterback. And, you know, I think you've got him ninth. That's a round where I'd have him maybe 10th, yeah. something like that. Still a very talented quarterback, and I think he's going to do numbers under McVay. I think he's going to be in a very favorable system. But I don't. I, I couldn't imagine right now. I mean, the only way I could make a case that, yeah, you put Brady at 10 is you're really worried about an injury. Mm-hmm. But right. even with an injured knee, what did he do last year? He went out and won a Super Bowl. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. like I said, if you hedge with Brady, you hedge and put him at like four or five, not nine, 10. Right, right. That's where I would say. I mean, you, you, if you even account for some level decline or other guys being younger, you know, maybe – we don't even know if Rodgers or Watson are going to play this year. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, those are two huge question marks. I mean, <laughs> have we ever seen anything like this, Mark? I mean, we're about no. to go into an F. It's not like this is March. Like, get, get you, this is no. this I is mean, we're about to be in July. It's right? July here. I mean, and we don't know if two of the games, most elite quarterbacks, are going to be played. I mean, obviously, it's two wildly different scenarios, right? With, with yeah. Rodgers, it's a contract and he's unhappy with the organization. With Watson, it's a legal situation that is in civil litigation. And not mm-hmm. to be lawyer for a few minutes here, but right. civil litigation moves slower so yeah. there's a there's a chance here that this isn't resolved come august and then the league has to step in and say we can't let this guy see the field with all this lingered and so yeah two different situations but we might see two guys sit up right yeah for those who don't know mark is as is a lawyer by trade so that when he speaks to that he's speaking with knowledge and i always ask him whenever these situations come up right like Zayvon Collins, like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, like Zayvon Collins five minutes ago. I'm like, hey, Mark, what happens with a guy? Who, how reckless do you have to be driving to be arrested for it? Yeah, because uh, your boy's oh, done some speeding before, but I don't know if I'm. I don't think I've ever been arrested. I, mean, I hope I've never been close to being arrested for my driving. But no, you always uh, have to. <coughs> you have to be in a rough spot to do that. I was gonna say. So yeah. So you look at this situation now, anyway, with the quarterbacks, obviously, and you mentioned Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, and I just can't believe that we are at number two and number three on my list, anyway, in the league. And it is about to be July. <laughs> I mean, we're rolling into July here, and training camp is gonna start. Like you said, there is a difference in the situations with Watson's, obviously, but you also have the layer of Watson before any of the, the off the field right. stuff was going on. You had Watson kind of not he knowing whether he, was, <laughs> like, he didn't, didn't want to be there. And right. he basically asked for a trade. And, you know, then this situation sort of got dropped on Houston's head. So I can't imagine an organization right now, like, say, Carolina or Denver, like two teams that were sort of linked to Deshaun Watson, saying, yeah, we're going to go trade for this guy with this situation sort of lingering out there and all this uncertainty around him. It's hard to imagine putting together the kind of package that a Deshaun Watson might cost in a trade, future first, quality players, defensive players. That was a rumor that Houston wanted a good defensive blue chip type player in return. Putting a package like that together for a guy that you don't know is going to be there week one, week two, week five, whatever. And so the Watson situation is extremely complex, a lot of moving parts, 22 allegations against him. And, you know, the, the attorney for the 22 plaintiffs that have filed this joint lawsuit came out and said, look, there's no settlement talks. Like, there's no yeah. quick resolution. Like, we are pursuing this and we are going to go through discovery and all of that. And that stuff takes time. Like, you know, you always hear the phrase, you know, right to a speedy trial. 
that's in a criminal court, right? Like with Zayvon mm-hmm. Collins, he might be facing that in a couple of weeks yeah. here. Who knows? Um, but civil litigation is wildly different. Mm-hmm. The clock moves slower. The deadlines are more extended. Discovery takes a very long time. Talking about like depositions of all 22 of these plaintiffs. Like it could really mm-hmm. linger into the mm-hmm. fall, into the winter. And with that handed out there, it's hard to imagine Watson. But like you said, John, he didn't want to play for Houston anyway. And right. So, that it's adds hard a whole to, other layer. Because yeah, can't imagine him being in the Houston Texans uniform again, no matter what happens. Yeah. And if and and if he's not in a Texans uniform, who is going to want to trade for him? And why would the Texans want to move him with anything hanging over his right. you know, quote unquote stock? Because you probably won't get his value in return right now. Exactly like, right. You have to wait and hope that this somehow gets resolved favorably for Deshaun Watson without a commissioner's exempt list, without right. potentially, you know, criminal liability coming into play, because that's still potentially out right. there. Right. You have to hope for like a very good resolution from, from Watson's perspective to get yeah. in return what, you know, you should for trading. Yeah. For, uh, trading to me, to, yeah, to me, I would just be floored if Watson plays this season. It's yeah. hard to envision a scenario where that happens. Yeah, Rogers, on the other hand, is his situation is, for me, I look at the situation, Mark, and I've said this before on the show, so apologize to people who've heard it before, but I don't know if you're Green Bay where you kind of – I mean, Rodgers, I just don't see him as being the kind of guy that's just like, yeah, that's fine, and come back. Like, that's not who – I mean, we kind of know Rodgers at this point, right? He's been in the limelight for years. Yeah. Like, we know who he is as a person a little bit. We know how he handles these things. He's a grudge guy. He just is. And like, you know, when I said this, when, when Brady got snubbed and he, his mind snubbed, he wasn't yep. obviously as, as reputable as Rogers going in the draft. And he was all the way down there and, the, you know, in the, being a sixth round pick or whatever. And he came and he was like, I'm going to prove to everybody that they're wrong. It was a competitive thing. It wasn't an anger thing. You know what I mean? Like it was, he's been able to laugh about, it. you know what I mean? Like it's been right. a Rogers, I think was just genuinely pissed for years. Like, I just yeah. think that's, that's where Rodgers was with the whole I, thing. I think he's been angry since his draft night, yeah. and that hasn't gone away, and that chip on his shoulder is just getting bigger. And, look, you don't get to be one of the elite quarterbacks in this game if you don't have that ability to self-motivate. And, yeah. you know, whether you go about it in sort of a, a humorous way at times or you're just maniacally driven at times. I mean, you, I don't know if you saw the story that Cliff Kingsbury told about Brady at that, like, friend's wedding down in the mm-hmm. Caribbean where they were out getting – annihilated until like yeah. four in the morning and then Brady's out there at six 30 the next morning and pads like throwing, like right. you have to be that level of driven and you know, you have to find ways to self-motivate to get yourself out of bed at Saturday mm-hmm. at six 30 in the morning when you're supposed to be having a fun time. Brady Great. does it. Rogers does it. All these guys do it, but you're right, John with Rogers. It does seem like there's that undercurrent of anger to it. Like, mm-hmm. I am just angry at the world for mm-hmm. passing on me. And now this organization that drafted me, they made me wait behind Brett Favre. And, you know, finally I get a chance to take over. We're going to Super Bowl. We're now back on the cusp of Super Bowls. And mm-hmm. you're going to, like, draft Jordan Love? Like, you're right. going to trade up to go get him? And he's talking about how he poured himself four fingers of tequila that night. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's mad about it. And I don't see him going back. Like, I don't see how he could do no. all this, especially, look – He's clearly got interests outside of the game of football, right? He mm-hmm. can go host Jeopardy. He everybody thought he did a fantastic job doing that. He can right. go do other things. I'm sure he's a very marketable, talented guy away from the field of football. So he might just say, Look, I'm done. Now right. I'm gonna go do something else. Like I'm not coming back to this organization that I feel hasn't done right by me, given everything I've brought to this mm-hmm. organization. I think you're exactly right. I think that's what he will do. So if that's the case in your Green Bay. 
you have to trade him, right? Like you have to move this guy. You cannot let him even sit for a year and depreciate in value whatsoever. He is an MVP. He is yeah. an older MVP. Like if you let him sit and and retire and go host Jeopardy, his value is going to plummet. Like he, right. who's going to know what kind of condition, what kind of shape he's going to have a year less on his contract. He's going to be a year older. Like you have to move now in this window here of time before the season starts and really almost before training camp starts to me because teams are going to want to get him in and get him in the door and get him in the offense. And at that point and, in time, at least, I mean. And you're going to want to have as the Packers some resolution on it as well. I mean, you I can't can. have this situation lingered into July and August when, you know, Jordan Love is running the show, but every question he gets asked or every question every member of that organization asks is, okay, when's 12 going to show up? Is 12 going to come? What do you think yeah. they should do? Right. It's going to be this massive distraction. So I think you're right, John. They have to find some res way to resolve this in the next couple of weeks here. You know, if this does linger into training camp without a resolution and he's still sort of out there, it's going to be a problem. Because if indeed you have to make the switch to Jordan Love as an organization, you have to put everything behind that. If right. you have to go ahead and do that and having this sort of situation lingering, it just doesn't bode well. If you then have to make the switch to Jordan Love, it's not going to put him in a position to be successful. And as an organization, if you have to do that, you have to do the best by love now. So that mm -hmm. means I think a resolution either via trade or some other way to get this done before camp. Right. And, and get a ton of resources, which you will, if you trade, if you yeah. can trade him now, you'll get a ton of resources. Even if you only have one or two suitors at this point, you know, You'll still get something from a team like Denver. I mean, you could yep. still get a lot from them. You could absolutely and that could get be, a from Denver. That could and be huge for building around Jordan Love. I mean, huge. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, the reason why you want that rookie quarterback in the organization is to then build around them, right? They're yep. cost controlled on that first contract for the first four or five years with the option. And to be able to sort of add maybe some players and a couple of future first round picks to put around mm -hmm. Jordan Love for the next for the duration of his contract that next two to three years, right. that's massive. I mean, this is a team that's off back-to-back -back NFC championship games, right? Yeah. You'll be losing Aaron Rodgers, but it's still a pretty talented roster. They also have Devontae Adams out there lingering like that's, you know, a year away from now, his contract status, but say, you know, you don't resign him. Now you have an opportunity to add another receiver or two with those picks, or maybe you get one from Denver. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, that, that would be favorable to build around Jordan Love, the assets they get in return. Right, absolutely. And I think if you're Green Bay, it's not anymore about whether Rodgers is better than Love or will be, you know, how good Love will be. You you kind of you kind of made that call. You you made that yep. bad when you drafted Love. That's just what it is. I mean, you drafted him in the first round and you traded up for him. It's not it's not even a second round pick. It's not a seventh round pick. It's not one of the it's not a flyer. It's yeah, that's your guy. Like when you do that, that's your guy. And so you have to be able to back that up with, even if he now I'm sure Jordan love didn't look great last year. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that Jordan love probably didn't look great in practice last year. He was behind Tim Boyle and I get it experience and all that stuff. But like, listen, it, you know, if, if you trade up for a guy in the first round, you'd love him to be, a, be able to beat out a team, Tim Boyle, even as a rookie. That's, that's facts. I'm not making that up. That's just what it is. Now, Jordan Love, you know, we've seen some good reports and some really ugly reports from minicamp. And so we'll see. I mean, who knows? I mean, you and I definitely had questions. I know when he was coming out, but yeah. bottom line is how this all ripple affects to the Bucks. obviously, is that with Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is probably the biggest obstacle with all due respect to the Rams. Green Bay is probably the biggest obstacle to Tampa Bay being able to reach the Super Bowl and potentially even repeat, be in a position at least to repeat as Super Bowl champions. So the biggest NFC obstacle in their way without Aaron Rodgers, even though Green Bay still has a good team, they're they're an afterthought right now until Jordan Love proves something. They 
you know, they don't play the Bucks obviously in the regular season, but they, they're they're an afterthought in terms of that. Like I wouldn't consider them in the competition. So it's a huge move that's going to have a lot of ripple effects in the NFC. But obviously, if it goes to an AFC team, as most people expect as well, uh, it's it seems feels like to me a matter of time rather than if. But yeah, I think so too. I mean, the the one thing sort of consider if he goes to Denver, you've got mm-hmm. Rogers, Mahomes, and Justin Herbert in that division. Like that, that's those are three talented quarterbacks. I mean, you've got Herbert, you know, in that sort of third tier, right? You've got yeah. the 13. That that's a talented division of quarterbacks. And another guy, right. Derek Carr, is in that next tier near the top mm-hmm. of that list. Like you could easily argue four top 15 quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, that's that's suddenly a stacked division of QB. Yeah. Right. And so, and, you know, and, and if you're the Denver Broncos, and, and we've talked about this, John. You've got Sutton, you've got Fant, you've yeah. got Hamler, you've Judy. got Judy, you know, you added Williams in the draft. Like you've got the pieces on offense, mm-hmm. but are you going to really entrust them to Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater in that division? Because let's face it, you're going to score points. Right. Like you're going to score points to keep up with Mahomes, now to keep up with Justin Herbert. I, I think mean, you got to stay away if you can get Aaron Rodgers in there. Just imagine going from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to Aaron Rodgers with like the week before training camp. I mean, yeah. think, think how the whole vibe changes in the locker room. Like the, whether the guys say it or changes, not, like the division changes, the the conference outlook changes because because right now, look, you could say in the AFC, right, Buffalo, Baltimore, obviously Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the teams you probably look at. Cleveland, they really did a mm-hmm. number of good things this past offseason. Tennessee right. with a you know with the Julio Jones trade, like they're going to be in the mix. If Indy gets something from Carson Wentz, you add Aaron Rodgers to Denver, the AFC is suddenly loaded. I mean, Broncos are making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Broncos, yeah. yeah, Yeah. So you got it. You literally, somebody's out. Like that's to me the type of move they'd make. Like, because I think the whole roster is good. Even if the coaching is just like, okay, and we know Fangie is a good defensive coach. They're going to be competent defensively. They added a bunch of pieces. Uh, yeah, the, if you get Rodgers, you're making the playoffs. Minimum is playoffs. You know, yep. beyond that, and we'll you see how quickly. Not one out. of those teams out too. Yeah, that's right. Like you said, that's right. Like a really good team might be on the outside looking in as a result of that move. Yeah, AFC just becomes more and more loaded. NFC becomes more and more filled with question marks in my mind. So we'll see what happens. Tampa Bay fan, though. It's great if you're a Bucks fan for sure. Uh, somebody asked me to address the Dak Prescott Josh Allen ranking. To me, this is one of the ones that everybody kind of, you know, people look at the rankings and they kind of jump on one, right? Like they, they grab one and they're like, oh, this, these two guys, for whatever reason, they match up in their head. I don't know why Dak Prescott and Josh Allen, people said, I mean, but I think most rankings have a hard time maybe differentiating them. There's this recency bias with Josh Allen. I don't even say yeah. that in a bad way. He was, he was phenomenal. Was fantastic. Right, right. And, and Dak obviously hurting the ankle and not playing. Um, and so, you know, there's this, what has Dak done in his career type of thing? Um, and I, there's this Josh Allen situation to me, Josh Allen has been in one of the best situations in the NFL, especially over the last two years. I think his situation is in terms of scheme, coaching, play calling protection, obviously receiving talent last year was off the chain. I mean, they do things that are innovative. Um, he's been just in an unbelievable, they put ton of play action, um, I think Dak Prescott's situation has been highly concerning throughout his career. Last year, I think there were some steps in the right direction, but it was we didn't get to see a ton of it before he got hurt. But he was unbelievable last year before he got hurt. And and 
playing with a, a, just a bottom tier all time defense over so, those weeks before he got hurt. To me, I think it's just consistency with Dak. I've seen him do this for several years now, play at a high level. Um, he's never really played at a bad level. Josh Allen was bad as a rookie, eh, okay, as the second year, and then just huge leap to a great player, an MVP caliber candidate. I just want to see the stability of it, not saying that he's necessarily better or worse. That's one question mark. The other question mark I have is that I think Josh Allen takes a lot of time and I in the pocket to do things, and sometimes he ends up having to go out of structure, and he can thrive there too. So it's to his credit. I wonder what happens if he starts getting more pressure in his career and the offensive line isn't quite as good as it's been or if Dable leaves and, and they're not quite as play-action heavy as they've been, how he's able to play just because we have not seen – a lot of great Josh Allen, even in college, like he was not very good. And so it's still it's still fair to kind of wonder if the situation around him changes, how stable is this level of play for him? Because we've seen so little of it where with Dak, we've seen you know him just consistently get better and better and better as he's been an NFL player and really always play it at, at a good level. So that was a big part of it for me. How do you differentiate these two guys that everybody seems to be putting head to head? Uh, this yeah, I'm, I'm, in large part, I'm there with you, John. I mean, these are the next two. I mean, I think in my book, in your book, yeah. they're the next two. And if you want to say, look, because of what he did last year, then the question is about Dak's ankle that, no, Josh Allen is six and Dak is seven. I mean, okay. But I think the consistency argument is a great argument in Dak's favor. I think if you watch him on film last year before he got hurt, you were seeing some incredible anticipation throws to the middle, you know, the attacking zone, attacking man, working through reads quickly, getting the ball out, and really just carrying that team that, like you said, was – defensively they couldn't stop anybody and so they had to put up 30 35 40 points a game um to hand in with some of those games before he could hurt now with Allen, look you had the two years where it's like yeah you could see the talent there and you know he's better than a lot of people myself included thought he was coming out a lot of us had questions about josh allen yeah and he seemed to sort of answer them. then you have this huge leap last year and i think what's helped him is like you said consistency and play caller with brian dable being at his side the entire time like that's yeah. really helped him and if you want to take sort of lessons as another organization from mm -hmm. how do we make our guy the next josh allen look <laughs> at that relationship right and so all these giants fans are saying look daniel jones is going to make that year three leap he's on what his third offensive coordinator in three years like four years going back to his time at duke like mm -hmm. There's a lot of changes there that he's had to sort of work through with, with Josh Allen. That consistency in coaching has really helped him. I think one argument in Allen's favor is last year at the start of the year, teams like Miami and others were really throwing a lot of man coverage at him, and he picked it apart. Then teams like Tennessee, for example, Kansas City in the regular season threw more zone coverage at him, and he sort of struggled with it. But then you watch that Niners game where they threw a lot of zone at him, and he sort mm -hmm. of clicked in his head. You could see him attacking the middle of the field, making those anticipation throws, getting the ball out quickly. And it seems like, okay, it took us some time, but he figured that out. So it does seem like he now has that answer. If you're thinking, oh, well, he's going to regress because teams will have film on him now. He went through that mm -hmm. process last year and he sort of figured it out. Right. But these are two of like the young guns that I, I think will get into that elite tier. Right. Uh, when you get like Rogers and Brady, you know, sort of falling out because of retirement, mm -hmm. if they ever retire. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, Rogers <laughs> right. retires first. Who knows? Um, right. But, you know, these are two very good quarterbacks. I, I'm with you. I'd have Dak above Allen because of the consistency over the mm -hmm. length of their careers. But if somebody, a Bills fan or otherwise, says, no, 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 I'd rather put Josh Allen there, like, okay. Right. I mean, I get yeah. it, dude. but they're right. like the next two, you know, put them in any order you want, really. Within the tiers, it 
it's squat. You know, we're, we're really, it's, I know people hate that. People don't like to say like, for example, if you want to compare Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, okay. I'm going to, I'm convinced that Derek, the Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. And like that to me is not debatable, but like Dak and Josh Allen, that's debatable to me. Like Dak and Russell Wilson, you know, if you want to debate that or, you know, I, I think these things are kind of debatable. Like even, even across some of the tiers at the very top, like I could see Russell Wilson, the way he was kind of, you know, at the end of last season, the way that he struggled, like it's not crazy to me. If you want to say, Oh, I think Dak's going to be a top three quarterback next year. That's not crazy to me. So we just have to kind of normalize these things being really close and splitting yeah. Harris in a lot of ways, because that, that just is what it is as much as we like to yeah, really rank I, I everything. Mean, generally this year, like we talked about, we sort of alluded to it at the start quarterback rankings right now aren't controversial. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just really not. Like I, I feel most people are sort of on the same general page. Yeah. It's not like receivers, right? Like receiver right. rankings are, are much tougher. Um, especially if you're trying to keep it to like a top 10 or something right. like that. Right. Because there are so many, and you could even try to like differentiate like slot guys versus outside oh. guys and things like that. But still, even that's becoming even so that's blurred. Become a yeah. tough because the way teams are schematically having guys that are, you know, inside on the slot for a lot of the time, but then yeah. you put them on the outside because of the flexibility and versatility of some of these players. So I think it's much tougher to the receiver right now. Like oh, yeah. a couple of years ago, quarterback was tough. Now it's like, I, you you look at lists like this, and it's like unless you're doing something like putting Jalen Hurts in the top five, like <laughs> right, it's, hard it's to... not really gonna like move right. the needle too much. Right, two two guys it feels like you can never rank right is Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill to me. Like Lamar yeah. Jackson supporters will always say he won the MVP, like he's done this, you know, especially come this amount of combined yards, combined offense, like he's clearly the best player on Baltimore's offense. He's not had this unreal supporting cast over his time there. Obviously, a lot of stability on the coaching front, but. You know, people will point to that. His supporters, his detractors will say, oh, he, I mean, I just don't know. Passing wise, if, has he been exposed? Like he's not been great outside the numbers. It's been his concern going back to college. It's still a concern in the NFL today. It seems like he's run into some situations where he's been fooled a little bit and, and he's had to rely on his legs a little bit more. And also, I think where he's held the ball a little bit in the pocket. And he's also had brilliant moments and huge, brilliant moments. And I don't know that there's been stability for him as a passer yet, but there has been so much success. To me, he is the best athlete in the NFL. And with the ball yeah. in his hands, there's nobody more dangerous in the league. And we have to start understanding that value is is really exactly. huge. And, and that's why I'm like so high on Lamar. Like again, I haven't been like the, that second year. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he's also somebody that could crash that elite, you know, party. Right. At and any time. I always try to put my mind in like, okay you're Bill Belichick and you've got to go up against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Like, what are you going to do conceptually, schematically against a guy like Lamar Jackson? Like, how do you try to defend this guy? Because so much of what they do offensively, the Ravens is built off just how talented he is, both as a runner an athlete and as a passer. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes it tough. Like, who would you rather defend? Like you could even say that, like, look, Tom Brady versus Lamar Jackson. Like we have Brady in that elite category, but you know what you're going to get, right? right? Like you know you're going to get quick decisions, accurate throws to all levels of the field. Like okay, that you know that, but with Lamar, there's a lot more uncertainty, a lot more things yes. you have to account for, and the numbers game changes. On third and six, are you going to spy Tom Brady? Yeah. No. Are you right. going to spy Lamar no Jackson? Chance. You probably have to, which means the numbers now aren't in your favor. And yeah, maybe he's not a great as great a passer as Tom Brady for sure, but yeah. he can do things that Tom Brady can't. 
Brady right. can do things that Lamar Jackson can't, but you know, that stuff's going to keep you up at night. And so Lamar Jackson, yes, he hasn't been as consistent in the passing games. I think people would like to see, mm -hmm. but he's still that kind of offensive weapon that will keep defensive coordinators up at night. and can turn a game around on a dime. Yeah. Also, he's still pretty young. And if he ever finds yeah. that consistency in the passing yeah. game, his team's probably going to win a Super Bowl because right? he's exactly. that unbelievable with his legs. I mean, I really yep. just think he's, He's just special, special, special with the ball. Like it's yeah. so. And, yeah, and, I mean, it dated back to his time at Louisville. I know there was a lot of concern about, oh well, he's he's not going to last, right? He's got the thin frame, mm -hmm. like he's going to get beat up. But you remember him coming out. He was so smart at taking care yeah. of himself. Like he has that home run hitter ability as a runner. But right. he'll slide. He'll get down. Like he'll get out of bounds. Like he takes care of himself. Doesn't expose himself to a ton of huge hits, even though he runs the yeah. ball a ton. Both Nobody really hits him square. Like you never see him get blown so up. Hard. He's like yeah. so that those change of direction skills where you just can't square him up. I mean, right. it's like trying to catch a knuckleball. Like what was the Bob Euchre line? You like you wait for it to stop rolling, pick it up. Yeah, that's kind of like trying to tackle Lamar. That's that's exactly right, and it becomes a cheat code almost. I mean, yeah. honestly, like he the, the I said this before he was drafted. I go on radio shows and they'd ask me what I thought of Lamar Jackson. I'd say I think his consistency can be improved, but. The reality is that he could have a bad process on a play. Like you could look back in the tape and be like, oh, he might have maybe should have done this or that. Yeah. And he can achieve like a an elite result, not just a positive result. Like yeah. he can literally yeah, he, he's kind of the he was kind of the start of the whole like change in the process versus results argument, right? Because usually yeah. you're studying quarterbacks like, oh, what is he thinking? What are his decisions? Like, why did he do that? You can't do that at the NFL. And then you see, you know, Lamar, you see Kyler Murray, and it's like mm -hmm. If the process is bad, it doesn't matter because they're in the end zone and you're wondering how in the world they got there. Right. Oh, for sure. And Tannehill is kind of, you know, we don't have to spend a ton of time on him, but Tannehill is just like Titans fans believe that he should be in the top 10 now. And I, yeah. I just don't know if he's played well enough in the big games that matter, like in the playoffs and stuff. Like what happens when the, when the offense is on his back, when they need a big game, I don't know if he's that guy. Like I, I mean, really he had one like that last year, but it was against Houston. Right. Yeah, so it doesn't right. quite count. I mean, I think he's like that fringe 10, like he's, you know, like 10, 11 for me. I think there are some things that he does extremely well. Mm -hmm. RPOs, throws off RPOs, throws off play action, things like mm -hmm. that. I do wonder, though, the departure of Arthur Smith. Like, are we going to see that same level of execution? there? Because there are some things he does extremely well. And obviously, look, you've got Derrick Henry, the looming threat of him. Yes. Know, helps their play action passing game. Julio Jones is certainly going to help. You lose Arthur Smith, though. Jonu Smith is gone as well. So much of their 12 personnel stuff, those heavier sets, are they going to be as tight end heavy without Smith? I don't know. Um, so there are some question marks. I, I do think he's like a 10, 11 guy, um, right. which, look, a couple of years ago, if you said Ryan Tannehill was going to be like a fringe top 10 quarterback, people thought you were insane. But right. he, he's – you know, certainly turned things around in Tennessee. He's right. one of the better quarterbacks in the AFC, if not the entire NFL, top oh, 10, for sure. top 12 guy. Right. Um, but it's just a question of, are we going to see that same Ryan Tannehill this year with some of the departures we've seen? Yes, Julio was a great addition, but he's one player. They lost an OC. They lost, you know, John o. Smith. Those are some big departures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's been a huge change. I think that they're going to have to see how all that comes together because, uh, yeah, right now I look at Julio and A.J. Brown and I say, this is probably – Steam's probably going to want to throw the ball a, a lot, and I don't know whether you know. I would I would think, and so we'll see if they they end up playing that way or not. But I hope that 
you'd hope that they'd be given him more opportunities and then we'll see how he how he performs kind of in that situation yeah. uh, great analysis i've already kept you longer than i said mark I, i'll get back to one more to, to wrap it up here in a second but do want to let people know where you can find more great analysis is over at locker room it's changing the way we talk about sports it's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes rumors news and teams you care about React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Locker Room just recently bought by Spotify. Big stuff happening there. Yeah, man. they're calling it Green Room, I think. I know. Now, it's changing there. up. Re- little it, rebrand. I mean, so wait, can Android users get on there now? I, I hope so. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if y'all can get on there or not. I think Clubhouse is over there now. I don't know yeah, what's I'm, going on. It's I'm, I'm, all this stuff freaking me out, man. I know. I'm trying to catch up with all the, the changing trends here. I'm, I'm getting too old for this. But uh, okay, I want to ask you before I let you go here about. Obviously, the rookies, you know, Burrow and Herbert, it becomes kind of okay. Everybody sees them as like these guys are going to be great, but I think for the most part, but we just want to see the consistency. So, kind of self explanatory with those guys a little bit. But one of the players who's lower for me than I think some people would have him is Kyler Murray. Um, I, I just to me, I, and I've, I know we've talked about this in our group chat a lot with, with Kyler. I'm just not sure the reputation has ever quite been what actually happens on the field with him. Um, obviously, number one overall pick, some of that is going to you know, come in time, I think. But as he gets older, I'm also not quite sure about the coaching there in some, at some points. Um, I just think consistency is, just seems like it's a big struggle for him. I've seen him in some games against top-tier defenses where he just looks like he's it, everything's moving too fast for him. He's holding the ball too long. He makes some poor decisions, throws the ball into coverage. There's some inaccurate throws, especially over the middle of the field. I think he just still has a good way to grow, and I'm not sure the current regime is going to get him there. Yeah, I share a lot of those concerns, John. I do think, though, you have to sort of look at what Cliff Kingsbury has done conceptually. And I think there are some things that he started to figure out at the end of the year that he wasn't doing enough of. And the main thing was DeAndre Hopkins was lined up in the left boundary like almost every snap. Like, yes, he's a fantastic wide receiver, top three, top five, wherever you want to rank him. He's one of the game's best. Yeah. You still – that doesn't mean you just put him there and say, look, go win. Like, you move him around. Like, they didn't do enough of that. They didn't do enough of, you know, the movement stuff pre-snap to give Murray those indicators. They were a very sort of static offense at times. Near the end of the season, you started to see, okay, Hopkins in the right slot, Hopkins on the right side, Hopkins in motion. Hopkins in the left slot. I think they're the Clinsbury, you know, Cliff Kinsbury started to figure out that look, my offense is good on paper, but I've got to do some more stuff to help my quarterback and help my players. They're they're great players, but mm-hmm. you can't be static. You can't just say, look, go out there, run mirrored, curl flat or slant flat and expect guys to win. Not against the talent you're going to see in the NFL. And so I, I think there's been a sort of process of self-discovery from Cliff that is going to pan out, but that will, well, I hope, have a good effect on Murray because, like you said, the lack of consistency is troubling. Struggles against better defenses, you know, mm-hmm. even though, look, they, they won that Buffalo game. Like, you know, there were some struggles in that game. There were some struggles in some other yeah. games. There were some moments against Miami, for example, where, you know, he could have played better, but he did it. The mm-hmm. loss at New England when New England's defense mm-hmm. wasn't as good as people thought it was going to be going into last year that he could play better. He still mm-hmm. makes some wild moments. Like there are mm-hmm. still some moments where you're like, like he had a throw in that New England game to, to move the chains on third down. Right. Darren Arnold, where I was just like, 
how do you defend it? Like you yeah. just you just can't. It's like the, the oh, Lamar yeah. conversation from earlier. Mm-hmm. But he needs to do more on a weekend, week out basis. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be such high such a high variance quarterback. You've got to have some stability and consistency. Right. That's one of the tricky things. That's one that separates the tier three and tier four guys yeah. from the tier one, tier two. Most exactly. of the time, most of those guys are capable of great games, even a great season. You look at tier five here. I mean, Jared yeah, Goff, I mean, Carson Wentz. Like, we can, we can, we struggle to find 32 people to do this job. Yeah. Like, so if you get to this point, like where you're an NFL starting quarterback, like you're, you could do the job. You're a baller. Well. Right. You're right. <laughs> right. You're a baller, but like, you gotta be able to do it all now 17 games, you know, yeah, not just right. like eight of the 17. Right. For sure. Uh, last one for you is just James Winston saints. Oh, he's boy. down there 25 for me. I just Bucks fans probably want to hear what your thoughts are with him and that offense. If he does indeed win the starting job, obviously you know what the Saints did last year. I think they were last in the league in deep passes, and obviously yeah. a lot of had to do with Breeze. But you also look at them and you don't see like a lot of vertical threats, burner types. Their tight end position is weaker than it's been maybe in Sean Payton's time there. I don't know when last time it was this big of a question mark. You have Michael Thomas, and I think Traquan Smith's done some nice things, but you don't yeah. really have you know much in the way of a vertical threat. Even Thomas, that's not been his bread and butter. How does this all fit together in New Orleans with Jameis? I don't know. Because, I mean, you look at Jameis and you think, you know, more vertical-based quarterback. Like, guy's mm. going to push the ball downfield, very aggressive, willing to take chances. You know, and what sort of scares me about Winston, you know, in that kind of offense where he's making quicker reads or asked to make quicker reads, quicker throws and things like that, he really struggled that that last season to Tampa Bay. Like, now I remember one play through pick six, Deion Jones jumped a stick route. Mm-hmm. And it's like he hit his drop and just sort of like looked at it. And the ball just comes out slower. And he knows where he's going with it. Like he's made up his mind pretty much pre-snap. But just the sort of decision to throw seemed a bit elongated, that process from Winston. And if he's going to be in an offense like we anticipate, like you talked about, John, in New Orleans, it's going to be underneath, short game stuff, quick game stuff. And he's struggling to read that at Tampa Bay. It's hard to see that coming together well. Now, the the best case scenario is this year off gave him a chance yeah. to sort of like catch his breath, figure out, look, man, this is what I need to do. Like, this is how the position needs to be played. Like, if you're going to learn from somebody, like learning from Drew Brees is probably a good way to go about it. And so there's you can see a path where like it clicks, but he's been in the league for a while. And this isn't a strength mm. of his, I don't think. So it, it's hard to see it coming together. Maybe it does. I hope it does because, you know, I, I think there's still a good quarterback to be found inside of Jameis but I need to see it before I'll believe it. Right. That's how I am too. I mean, everybody will admit that he's a talented, fun yeah. player to watch. He's not like a boring quarterback no, for sure. Not. <laughs> but they, not boring. Right. But we have seen the same problems going back to college and they just haven't changed or gotten better. And so it is definitely firmly in the believe it. If I, when I see it uh conversation for me, that's just how I feel about Jameis. So um yeah, good points there. Uh, Pew report fans. We did promise earlier in the show that we would tell you about a special opportunity to win some free Celsius. And now the time has come. The Pewter Report podcast is excited to announce a brand new giveaway with Celsius and Fast Brands in which 10 winners will receive one box of Fast Protein Bars, the Salted Caramel Peanut Crunch, or the White Chocolate Cookies and Cream Protein Bars. And you'll see receive one box of those and one case of your preferred flavor Celsius energy drink. Who knows? Maybe even a little watermelon. We'll have to see uh, what you uh, come up with. But to enter, all you have to do is go to www.celsius.com slash pewter. That's it. And enter your name and your email. It's really that simple. 
Uh, and the link is in the YouTube. It's going to be in the YouTube description below as well. But uh, grab that link and do it now, though, because today is actually the last day. The giveaway winners will be selected tomorrow. Uh, so today's the last day to enter. Let that deadline spur you to action. Get in there. Get yourself a chance to be one of 10 people who are going to win a box of these protein bars and uh, a case of your favorite flavor of Celsius. It's great stuff from them. Don't miss out on it for sure. Mark, I just, man. Uh, I just tried to refund. I just sent a little... Because he's oh, been yeah? hounded you for some free products. That's so, right. Yeah, I was going to say, send him, uh, send him the link. And yeah. <laughs> you got to jump in there, too. You got to get I'm in there. Get I'm doing it, too. So you're, all right. All right. Good. Good. Glad everybody's in there. But yeah, we'll pick 10 of those winners. Those winners, uh, Celsius will pick them uh, and they'll pick them tomorrow. So uh, it should be good stuff. But appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate you taking the time, more time than, than we said when, once we get talking quarterbacks. Yeah. So it, yeah, we, time goes fast. Going, so <laughs> that's right. No, man. But this was a blast. Always fun to catch up with you, John. Always fun to talk about quarterbacks. Like I said, I I mean, I, I wish I could have come in here and like ripped your takes, but <laughs> they're good takes. It's a solid list. It's a solid group of tiers. I, I think you did a really good job with it. Um, you know, like you said, if people want to quibble like four versus five, six yeah, versus yeah. eight, whatever. But the tiers are solid. It's well done work. And this is why you're just crushing it down a pewter report, man. I appreciate it, sir. It means a lot for sure. It's been fun to compile these things. We'll keep doing these rankings lists, but tomorrow on the show, we're talking about my Bucks briefing column, and it's going to be Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, who is better. So Bucks fans, come with your takes. We're not sitting on the fence. I know we could sit on the fence. Both of them are great. We're not sitting on the fence. You got to, Bucks fans, if you don't know now, go do the research, go look up a few stats. Come to the show tomorrow and tell and let me know why you're making a I get a preview of this. I get a preview of this last week, and I know the takes are going to be spicy. (laughs) It's going to be spicy. Tomorrow's Bucks briefing call will be spicy. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have fun with two two great players. We start at that point, right? Uh, But we'll have fun breaking down why I think one is a little bit better than the other. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Bucks fans' takes are too. So for myself and for Mark Schofield, who's always kind and gracious to join the show and give us plenty of his time, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out!